Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. This episode will be on House of the Dragon, episode one. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. We are so happy to be visiting Westeros once more. House of the Dragon came out this past Sunday. And we cannot wait to chat about it. And we're going to go over episode one. We'll do a little recap and a little review. And I thought it was a very strong premiere. Started peaceful but had a very dark turn. And everything we love about Game of Thrones was pretty much in this episode. I think they did a great job just luring the fans back in for a new show, a new series, a new uh, dive back into Westeros. After, you know, so many people... They're so upset with the way the last season ended of Game of Thrones, but now they're really enticed, and I think this is a very strong first episode. Yeah, the cast is awesome. Great actors. I was really fascinated to see how the world would look different. It has the same feeling to it, but it's interesting to see Targaryen banners everywhere all over King's Landing. They've dominated the air, the kingdom for a very long time now, and the show started out really well, like, just someone riding a dragon. Renera <laughs> riding her dragons, pretty badass. I think that the the epilogue, did a, the prologue, did a good job of uh, setting up what the world was, where we were in terms of the history of Westeros, and kind of the background for setting the stage for these characters. So it opened with a strong pr- uh, prologue, and then Renera riding her dragon. But the cast is really terrific. I think the cast is making it. Again, this is this is very similar, reminiscent to the first few episodes of Game of Thrones, where there's a big ensemble cast, and you don't even really know who anyone really is because everyone's only getting a few minutes of screen time. It's only one episode in, but I think it's a really strong first episode that set the stage and the groundwork for a lot of potential. It was really cool to be to King, at King's Landing in Westeros that was perfect and pristine versus the last time we saw it when it was just crumbling and full of ash and smoke and destroyed is really cool i think they did a great job of getting similar shots inside king's landing of the last time we were in these locations it was being destroyed by dragons and by daenerys and there was actually no opening title sequence which i was surprised by but the filmmakers did this on purpose because they wanted to be more of like a cold open for the series and for the show so next week episode two will be the premiere of the iconic new opening title sequence for House of the Dragon. It's already iconic. It hasn't come out yet. <laughs> well, it's, it's the most exciting thing. Like, I was waiting for him. Like, I can't wait to see the new opening title sequence. Because, like, we talked about in our House of the Dragon one, the Game of Thrones one might be one of the best openings in TV history, for sure. Yeah, I think it's the best opening credits theme. Now, the opening prologue was really important, setting the stage in the world of where we are. So, basically, the summary of the opening. Near the end of the first century of Targaryen rule, the kingdom was at the height of its powers under King Jaehaerys, the first peace and prosperity have preserved for decades the Targaryens command 10 adult dragons giving them an edge over any army so that's why there is so much peace there's really no war and we get a hint that like these knights they haven't been in a battle their entire lives because they've known nothing but peace that's why they just get in jousting fights and kill each other during for sport uh King Jaehaerys the first found himself in ill health and in need of an heir. He had no heirs. Both of his sons had died. To find a suitable heir, he assembled the Great Council of Harrenhal. Fourteen succession claims were heard. Succession claims were heard, but only two were considered. The council found Rhaenys Targaryen, Jaehaerys's eldest descendant, had the strongest blood claim to the throne. Second was Viserys Targaryen, the next eldest. 
The council ruled that the kingdom could not pass to a woman, nor through a woman to her male descendants, so Viserys was named the next king of Westeros. And there hasn't been a woman on the throne for over 100 years, so it's this kind of new tradition that they don't want to break, which is why Viserys was given the throne instead of Rhaenys. And it's an interesting dynamic, and also we get to see Rhaenyra dealing with the misogyny. She wants to be a fighter, and she wants to ride dragons, but... Her mother tells her, like, our battlefield is, is in the hospital room, basically, giving birth and on the bed. Yeah, which is really unfortunate. So King Viserys, played by Caddy Constantine. Patty Constantine. What did I say? Caddy. Did I say Caddy? Yeah. I thought I said Patty. Well, I'm editing this, so I will double check. because I thought I said Patty. Patty Constantine. He is a pleasant and optimistic king. He's waiting and expecting the birth of his next child. He, he knows it's going to be a boy. Throughout the episode, he goes from optimistic and pleasant too dark as he sacrifices his wife in childbirth to preserve and hopefully help the child survive but unfortunately for him both pass away during childbirth and it is a gruesome scene yeah it was intense and patty costantine did a great job the whole cast did a great job and they showed a lot it was graphic it was bloody and i thought it was smart how they contrasted the editing with the jousting battles with the death happening on the battlefield for fun and for sport and the death happening uh, secretly within this bedroom just nearby. I thought that was really terrific cross-cutting and, and uh, great planning and scheming by the writers and filmmakers. It was very powerful, and it was super disturbing. Uh, there was a lot of—we did end up getting about halfway through the episode a lot of blood and gore that we come to expect from Game of Thrones, especially with Daemon's uh, men just destroying that little neighborhood. Like the City Watch. Yeah, the City Watch just, like, showing their presence as, like, we don't mess with us, don't— don't be a criminal or you're going to get your, your arm chopped off oh my or, God, that or you're going to become a was, eunuch. <laughs> we were like waiting, like, when's it going to happen? When's the gore going to happen? When yeah. are we going to start screaming at the TV and it happened? Yeah, I, I like how they waited for it. I like how, because was, it, was, it was a bit of a slow opening, but we're learning who the characters are. We're learning where everyone's place is, and we're getting the establishment of the council. You know, Otto's the hand of the king. An advisor. We're getting a sense for the characters, especially Renera and Allison, who seem to be like they're going to be very important for the rest of the show. So we have to get a sense for who they are before we get into any like crazy se- sequences of violence and gore. And I like how they slowly gave us an idea of what was happening, and then we got into the action. In the first episode, Renera Targaryen clearly seems to be the lead of the show, or at least for the first episode, she had the most screen time. Her storyline is kind of the one we're mostly following for the most part. How she, her father isn't happy because she's a daughter and he, she wants him to be happy to have a son because she wants to be queen at some point. She wants, like Anthony said, to be on a battlefield, but she cannot. I don't think she wants to be queen. She wants to be a warrior. And she's because she said she wants to travel around the Seven Kingdoms. True. So that's not something a, a ruler would do. So I but think she, she also she wants, wants freedom. She wants what, to be heir. Yeah. She wants to be chosen as heir. That's like her deepest desire. That's why yeah. she's so happy that she finally does get chosen. I would say it's not so much she wants to be an heir. She wants to be accepted by her father for being a, a woman. And she doesn't want to anything. fall into the same lifestyle or, or uh, not um, the same trap that a lot of women are put into in this kingdom where their entire life is just meant for bearing children. She yeah. doesn't want that lifestyle like her mother says. Our discomfort of childbirth is how we serve the realm, and that's really unfair to women of the Westeros. So Reyna's clearly the lead character of this show so far, and I'm really curious how this time jump's going to happen because Reyna Targaryen, as well as Alicent, her best friend and the daughter of Hand to the King Otto Hightower, will be played by two actresses each character, older and younger actresses, Olivia Cook, and I, I can't remember the other actress who's playing 
Uh, Emma Darcy's playing yeah. the adult version of Raina. Renera. Sorry, Renera. So I'm curious, is it going to be cross-cutting throughout the first season? Or I've also heard rumored that around episode six or seven, they'll just be, be uh, time jump to them when they're older, while Renera possibly is queen at the time. I was expecting a time jump, but it, I, I guess it makes sense to do it this way. Now, after this first episode, my guess is they're going to do basically the origins of the of the story. It's kind of like a prequel. Yeah, and then we're going to get the adult actresses in the older versions of the actors we've come to know. Because I suppose with such an ensemble and with already a complex series of interactions, time jumping probably would have been a lot to handle, especially for an audience new to all the characters. So it probably would have been overwhelming. So I think it's, it's probably better to not time jump it, to just finish this first story, get the establishment for what will become the rest of the series. So I, I'm guessing these younger actresses and the younger versions of these characters will probably play for a few episodes. I wouldn't say the six episodes might be a long time until we get the adult characters, but maybe that's the way it is. I'm guessing three or four episodes. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because if maybe not that much happens in this time period before Renera gets to be queen, who knows? Maybe so. I, I've heard that she'll be an adult. She'll have children. Maybe when we time jump, that's when she's going to be crowned as queen of Westeros. And also because if I'm, I'm sure they didn't show everything in the trailer, but it seems like we already got a lot of sequences of these younger actresses that we've seen in the trailer. A lot of like the memorable shots from the trailer we got in this first episode. Point. And also Patty Considine. I think he might be old. He's definitely old, looks older in the trailer in a lot of it. Uh, so I would say, I'm guessing two episodes, maybe two to three at the tops of this younger storyline. We'll find out. The young actresses are doing a great job, but I can't wait to see the older actresses portray these characters. Damon is probably the best character of the show so far. Damon Targaryen, played by Matt Smith. He stole every scene he was in. He's electric on camera. He's a wild card. Damon despite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Eyes is his wife, Lady Rhea Royce, heir to the runestone in the Vale of Ari. His brother, the King Viserys, has just been pushing Damon to random jobs to keep him away from the throne, to keep him out of the council, to keep him occupied and busy. But he's obviously shown nothing but... Uh, a future of being a tyrant if he was ever on the throne 
And by the end of the episode, he basically is sort of banished by his brother to back to go back to Runestone in the Vale of Ari. This is a great character. I think he's. I think Matt Smith is doing a wonderful job, and he's clearly the most uh, unpredictable wild card of the cast. Wild card. wild card, and he looks like he's going to be the cause of a lot of the conflict of the series going forward. I think it's a, a fascinating character to have in here. I think the performance is pitch perfect, and also he it has a villainous tone to him. Like the uh, Raman Jawali's themes for him are, are quite dark and very villainesque. And uh, that that sequence where he walks into the throne room and his and his brother banishes him. Like when he's entering, it's got these deep, deep, um, low strings, and it's it's like this guy's a bad guy. I can't wait to see what happens with his character going forward. I think he'll even though. His brother named a successor, you know, Damon, he wants the throne. And I like how he's aware of how everyone else regards him, how they talk about him on the council. He's highly intelligent and clearly one of the best warriors in Westeros, although he's bested um, by Chris Cole. Cole. Chris Cole. Chris, great fight, yeah. reminiscent of uh, the last duel. But he's, he's got a great qualities, but he's so arrogant. He's very self-centered, very selfish. He enjoys attention, and he... En- What's different? What's dangerous about him is he enjoys power. He really likes power, and he clearly wants more of it. He's craving it. His first scene is sitting on the Iron Throne, which is blasphemous and treasonous. If anyone saw him do it, besides his niece Rhaenyra, who clearly has some sort of loyalty to him for being his his uncle. I think it's a crush, something yeah. like that, because obviously the inbreeding of the Targaryens will come into play. I'm sure at some point we got a little, maybe a little tease of it when he gave her the necklace. Uh, who knows? But Damon. Obviously has this rivalry with Otto Hightower, the Hand of the King, played by uh, Reese Ifans. Xenophilus Lovegood also. <laughs> he's great in the show so far. He's one of the best performances, I think, uh, by far, Otto Hightower. He's excellent. And Damon's obviously clashing with him whenever he can. Like, he tries to stir him up at the council meeting. And he also chooses his son, Otto Hightower's son, in the in the jousting and bests him. And Damon's also, he's a bit of a cheat. He cheated in the jousting against... Otto's son, just to make sure he he hurt him severely, and he threw the his pole at the horse instead of the knight himself, which was obviously unfair. But he's the prince, so what are you gonna do about it? Mm. And his arm, uh, Damon's armor is also super badass. It's, com- <laughs> it's like the the jet black it's a dragon shaped on like him. a dragon. Yeah. It is intimidating as hell. It's it's freaking cool as hell. So I think he's just an intimidating figure because of how imposing he is in terms of his size, his knight, his knight, his sword's enormous. So I think he's just. Such a great villainous character, clearly. But he also sees through Otto because Otto, in a lot of ways, even though he's loyal to the king, he's clearly come up this far because his family, the High Towers, aren't a highly regarded family. And so Damon, Damon sees how he's kind of manipulated his way to become Hand of the King and, and is, has his own intentions. And that's clearly shown because Damon tells that to Viserys. He's like, you, like this guy, like they're not, they're not your brother. I'll be. I'll be true to you, and I'll I'll really protect you. These people all want something for you. That's why they're in, in your council, and they prey on you because you're weak. But I I'm not like that. And he we get an example of this right after that when after his wife passes away, Otto sends his daughter Allison to go visit Viserys, clearly hinting that he wants to try and form a marriage between Allison and Viserys post uh, his his wife's de- death. So he's clearly establishing like Otto is clearly like a good manipulator, schemer, and also obviously craves power 
I think he I think he intends himself to maybe have the throne at one point as well. I mean, t- yeah, he tells her to wear one of your mother's dresses. Yeah. Clearly, it's that's pretty his messed intention. up. It's pretty messed up. And also, what was I going to say? Viserys is a Lego builder. <laughs> Basically, it's like it's like the uh, Westeros version of Lego building. And the air for a day sequence is what caused Viserys to banish his brother because Damon, with his crew and his city watch soldiers, two thousand soldiers loyal to him, when they're partying at the brothels. He gives the speech that is reported back to Viserys as saying that his nephew was heir for the day, basically making fun of his nephew and also gloating at the prospect that he is next in succession still and that, you know, the gods give and the gods take away and he, for some reason, has been chosen by the gods in his eyes to be the heir. Yeah, ex- absolutely. And I really like Lord Corliss. He's, see- he's an interesting character because he's part of the council, but also he understands a lot of Damon's points and approach, especially with the the night the city watch, he's because everyone's like against how brutal they were to the people. But then Lord Corliss is like the people should fear fear the city watch. And Damon has a point. It's because you know the people in the High Council and the elitists they only see the nice areas of King's Landing. Whereas Damon's like if you're an outsider coming into the city, it's mostly you're afraid for your life of getting mugged of getting killed. And so he's trying to impose a powerful force of fear amongst the people to not become criminals and not carry out violent acts. And I like how Corliss kind of understands both sides, and and he's not afraid to question the king and tell the king his own point of view. And he clearly has an indifference towards the council. You can tell by the way he sits. He sits much more relaxed and positioned away from the table in a way. His point of view, yeah. So he's kind of only got half attention on the council because he himself feels like him and his family have been wrong because Rhaenys was not chosen, even though she had the strongest blood claim to the throne. Yes. So he's still salty about that, which I don't blame him. Super salty. So that's why he's like, yeah, screw this council. I hate my cousin. But he gives What's very up, cousin? he gives very objective opinions about the situations that are, are brought up. Yeah, I think it seems like he it seems like just predictions. Lord Corliss and House Valerian are gonna make a play for the throne. Damon's gonna make a play for the throne. And it's going to be up to probably Rhaenyra to defend it. That's my guess. Seems it's like probably it. those going to be the three main parties. And then also maybe Alicent Hightower. My guess is maybe down the line Viserys will be killed. So Alicent, if, he's, if she's his husband, if she's his wife one day down the line and Otto's plan works out, then either she will be crowned queen or... If they don't get married, then Rhaenyra will be crowned queen. Crowned queen. So if Viserys dies, who's going to get it? So Otto's making a play with his daughter, and obviously next in line would be Rhaenyra. But then we have Damon, and then Lord Corlys and his wife Rhaenys also claiming the throne. So we have four major parties. If Viserys is killed, which Damon hints, which the council hints at, that will be trying to get the throne. They all feel like they have a rightful claim to it. I love the sequence of Viserys. Basically, prepping Rhaenyra for being the heir to the Targaryen throne, giving that speech and asking her those questions and revealing to her that, you know, people think that Targaryens are closer to gods than closer to humans, but that is because of the illusion that they have created because they are able to somewhat control the dragons. They still don't obviously have complete control, but a Targaryen must know that this is all an illusion in order to the rule. And also, he tells. The foreshadow by Aegon Targaryen, who had the dream of the end of the world from a terrible winter, which we all know about from winter Game of Thrones. Is coming. So that was obviously I a love that. To that. I loved it. I was like, yes. And the episode ends great. It ends with 
Damon getting on his dragon Caraxes, really great design of this dragon, like deep red crimson one. red, yeah. just looks as evil and dark as he is, uh, to fly away to Runestone, fly, fly away. as well as with his companion, the woman from the brothel, who seems to be his partner, his partner, who we talked about in, what was her name? We talked about her in the House of the Dragon preview, but she's definitely going to be a main player of the show as well. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't have her on the cast Ms. list Saris, right I think it was? Something, Something like, that. like that, yeah. She's um in Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you're right. She's one of the androids. Yeah, so like, this, it was a great ending, and uh, I think overall, very solid episode. It ha- It's not the like the most entertaining episode, obviously, but I think for starting the series, establishing this new version of the world, and getting everyone up to speed, they did a really great job. It was very well balanced, all the sequences, all the scenes. Every character had a really good amount of screen time, so you really understood who they were, their motivations, and possible ideas for what they're future goals will be and then it ended really strong with Damon flying away the villain banished away and he's definitely coming back to return I think that this show has so much potential it was really well made really well crafted the CGI looks awesome the production design costume wardrobe fantastic cast super talented so I think on TV this has the potential to be the best show of the year now, stay tuned every Tuesday for our recaps and reviews of every new episode of House of the Dragon for this entire season. So see you next week for episode two. Thanks for watching. Episodes this week, in addition to House of the Dragon, on Monday we post, yesterday we post our episode on Star Wars, episode four, A New Hope. And we also have an episode on Severance coming for you on Thursday. So stay tuned for those. Take care, y'all. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.